0: We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. We have a subject matter that really excites me. I am very, very thrilled to have our guest, Bernie Beitman, on the podcast today. And he wrote a book called Meaningful Coincidences How and Why Synchronicity and Serendipity Happen. I was able to have a review. A copy here of the book and want to tell you a little bit about him. So Bernie is the first psychiatrist since Carl Jung to systemize the study of coincidences. A graduate of Yale Medical School, he did a psychiatric residency at Stanford University. He's the former chair of psychiatry of the University of Missouri-Columbia Medical School for 17 years. Also writes a blog for Psychology Today on Coincidence and is the co-author of the award-winning book, Learning Psychotherapy. He's also the founder of the Coincidence Project, and you're gonna learn a little bit more about that today. And this project encourages people to tell each other their synchronicity and serendipity stories. His book that I have the chance to review, again, it is called Meaningful Coincidences, How and Why Serendipity and Synchronicity Happen, comprehensively describes their wide range of uses and explanations. The book serves both as a personal guide to using synchronicities and serendipities, as well as an introduction to the new discipline of coincidence studies. So, Bernie, welcome to the Path 11 podcast.
1: I'm so glad the the way you read that. You like this stuff. Mm -mm.
0: I do. I love this stuff. So this is a real treat for me, for sure. I'm just hoping I can get through all my questions and my little bookmarks and tabs that I have here and you know, also loved, you know, to read about that you, you know, you're a psychiatrist that you've studied in that field. And, you know, I shared with you that I've been in the mental health field for over 20 years myself. And so it's really interesting to read this book. I've had many meaningful coincidences and serendipities in my life and a few I'll share with you as well. But was just hoping you can start off and just letting my listeners know a little bit more about your background and how you came to be equally excited about studying this subject matter.
1: The, the book is dedicated to my dog Snapper and to my father. And the reason for that is they are the seeds for what we're talking about. When I was eight or nine, my dog was lost. I came home. I said, hey, Ma, where's Snapper? And she said, I don't know. Why don't you ask to go to the police station and ask them? It's it's a lot of fun to try to guess what my mother was thinking when she said that. I, you know, I, my thought with, it, my idea was that she said, oh, where is that dog? I'm supposed to be watching him and I gotta do something. So it was a kind of putting me off thing. But somebody else said, maybe she just had a lot of confidence in her son to be able to find the dog. That's what happened. So I got on my bike and went across this big road near my elementary school that I'd never crossed before and parked my bike where I knew the police station was and climbed up some stairs and opened a big door. And inside, right inside was a big desk with a big man sitting behind the desk. And I looked up at him. Have you seen my dog? And I still cry sometimes when, when I think about what he said, which was, no, son, we haven't, we don't know where your dog is. We haven't seen your dog. So I was crying a lot then and because he was so important to me. And I went back down the stairs and instead of going across the big road, I was crying so much. I just started pedaling and I pedaled to the right when I came. I don't know why I went to the right, but that's another question. I started pedaling and through my tears, I look up there's this dog walking towards me sideways. He's got a sideways walk. That's the way Snapper walked. So his legs weren't right behind him. He's like walking like that. I said, is that Snapper? It was. So I was so glad to see him. I was so glad to see him. So he jumped up on my leg and he was not as enthusiastic as I expected him to be. And what I thought he was saying to me was, what took you so long? Where have you been? That's what I thought. I mean... That's what I, that's the feeling I got from, and we went home and nobody asked me what happened. I just brought him home. Just go get Snapper. Okay. So I did and went home. He took four turns to get to meet me. Cause I looked at the map of where our house was and how he got, and he had to cross the big road himself. So he took the four right turns and I, I got lost with one and we both got lost. And we found each other. And, and that's an important idea about coincidences is you, you increase them when your regular reality is disrupted and then weird things can happen instead of always being structured. So that's one lesson of the snapper thing. But the, what, he, what he gave birth to, or he and I gave birth to, was what I now call human GPS or human GPS or inner GPS, I think might be better, that we have an inner ability to get where we need to be without knowing how we got there. Because I didn't know how I got there. I just was peddling. And there's a lot of stories like that. And I, I did some research at the University of Missouri asking questions about coincidences because I wanted to know, this is many years later in 2006, I wanted to know, do people experience a lot of coincidences? And what kind? Because I heard stories, but, you know, I have a little science background. I have published almost 100 papers and have 15 books, most of it academic. So I I got forced into learning about science, but I like science. I was a chemistry major. I really liked physics, too. I wasn't that good at it. I liked taking probability in, in college. In college, I really liked that subject. So I had a scientific tendency, but I also... Like philosophy, I like trying to figure out how things work and what's the nature of reality. So they're not mutually exclusive. And that's what coincidences tell us, that the whole range of things you can learn in school and outside of school, from, from art of all kinds, to, uh, to chemistry, to physics, to biology, it's all ways of studying humanity. And I'm very interested in studying humanity and life on Earth and how things work it's nice to have a bunch of different perspectives to be able to do that. So Snapper got me, got me with it because like a lot, of, a lot of people get going with this is that if you have like one big one, like what, you go like, what? You, and people say, what are the odds of that? As you said earlier, it's like, when you say, what are the odds of that is a way of saying, that's a very low probability event. And when it's a low probability event, that catches your attention. They're shiny objects. In, in a way, the newspaper people pay attention to shiny objects. It's a little different, but it's a shiny object of low probability that makes you want to say, I wonder what's going on with that. And I am, have always been curious, and, but just always been curious. And part of being interested in coincidences is having a drive to figure things out about how the world works. And that's part of the reason I'm in it.
0: Yeah, I was listening to a teaching by the late Wayne Dyer more recently, and he was talking about the whole concept of coincidences too. And he said, "Yeah, I'm not sure why people say, 'Oh, maybe it was just a coincidence.'" He had said that, like the definition definition of coincidence is when like two sides come together perfectly and like they meet at a certain angle and that they're supposed to. And uh, your definition, you probably have it memorized by heart, was something similar to that. So, can you? Yeah, the meaningful coincidences is the coming together of two or more events in a surprising, unexpected and improbable way that seems to have significance to the person experiencing it either at the moment or in retrospect. And I don't know if he was talking about the the mathematical definition of coincidence or to coincide, what, what it means for two angles to coincide. It's that they're meeting together, you know, perfectly. So we sometimes use the word coincidence, I think, maybe in the wrong way, would you say?
1: No. I I use the word coincidence because we can use it in many ways, because some things are just coincidences. Like I drop a dish and break it in the kitchen and a firecracker goes off across the street. Well, we could probably find some way those two things were connected, probably could make up something, but they look like coincidental events, meaning that they are not connected to each other but the thing about meaningful coincidences is there is no apparent connection even with the with the firecracker and the dish there's no apparent connection but you have to stretch to find that one but the ones that i'm interested in are ones that surprise and seem meaningful to the person experiencing it
0: hmm. so- okay gotcha so I, I'd like to give you a couple of examples of my coincidences and then maybe we can have you dissect them and, you know, talk about the different principles and things that you have in the book. So one, one that's really interesting was when I was in seventh grade, I think it was seventh grade, I decided that I was going to um, collect all of my concert tickets. So any concert that I had ever been to, because I had a feeling that the man that I was going to marry was also going to be at a concert. And we were going to share this moment and realize that we weren't at the same concert together, but lo and behold, we were in the same space at the same time. So that is exactly what happened. My husband today was originally from Poland, lived in Poland for the first eight years of his life, came here to the United States, a myriad of coincidences and serendipity things that happened in order for us to get together, crossing each other's paths, being in the same towns without knowing it eventually living 35 miles away from each other. And he had had a desire to move to upstate New York in a very rural town, which was very close to where I was living. And then so once we had gotten together, we're both lovers of music. And we went through our concert ticket stubs because I said, you know, just for the heck of it. I wonder if we were at the same concert because I had this intuitive knowing that the man I was going to marry was going to be at a concert that I was at, but I thought it was going to be, you know, an old one. But it was actually one before we met, a few years before we met, and he was sitting five rows in front of me, literally five rows in front of me. In the, we were in the same section, I think almost similar seats, but five rows down. So we have so many of those as we, you know, came to date and learn about each other, and then realize, oh my gosh, we were we were also at another concert together in a very small venue, but you know. Wouldn't have recognized him because I didn't know him at the time. So, would you like to comment on that type of coincidences that I've had with my husband?
1: And what type of coincidence was is that?
0: Good question. I got to go back in your book and read all my notes. I don't know what what was it. I know what kind of type of coincider I might be.
1: We can do that, but I'll help you out because yeah. what type of coincidences? It's an important question because I'm going. to... One of the things I want to do with the Coincidence Project is get enough money so we can do research to define basic patterns of coincidences. So you just, I mean, you're in the mental health business, you know, you got to label people. So you, And I do too. I mean, there's an advantage to, to having categories. Mm-hmm. There's a disadvantage too, because you have continuum between them. And that's that's true too. But the categories give you first approximations to what you're trying to talk about and make it a little easier to do research in. it. so what type of coincidence yours was, or is, is a good question. And I, I, I ask you that kind of not, not thinking you're gonna come up with an answer for that, but, but I think it's one to see if you did. Because the type of coincidences that you, the type of coincidence this was, that this seventh grader that was you Knew she would meet her husband through music. She knew they would be both of them like to listen to go to concerts. She knew that, and that's that's precognition if I ever heard it. <laughs> that's like that's like knowing something about what's going to happen. So you are just playing a remarkable game, really, of like. Which ticket is going to match when he's there? I mean, you were, and you were imagining meeting him in a way, in a way that confirmed that you and he were in the same, same twice in the same concert. Well, it's more than, and the more than that is that when you think about coincidences that involve two people, which this does, what you're seeking is sometimes seeking you. So your story doesn't include his side of it. But it begins to suggest that each of you, in some intuitive way, knew there was somebody else out there that was going to be the right person for each of you. And you you know that. And this is kind of the drama of movies and stuff. But but real life is even better than a lot of movies. Alfred Hitchcock used to say that, that movies are real life with the boring part of boring parts taken out. But... This is a good movie that you just described. So there he is in Poland, but he's in eighth grade. He's eight when he leaves, so he comes to the United States, and somehow it begins to be like the two of you start coming together geographically, and it, it it's a dance. If you don't mind my using a music metaphor, it's a dance where somehow one has to believe that the two of you knew about each other. In some intuitive way, and in seventh grade you knew something about him, music, concerts, so that this is a little bit like that inner GPS thing I was telling you about. You get to where you need to be without knowing how you got Not to there. get there.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and he got there, and you got there. But you, the maybe I missed it, but the the thirty five miles apart in the rural area how did you actually end up meeting each other
0: through a dating app
1: oh wow yeah wait a minute okay wait a minute i gotta take my gun out and shoot myself on that one that is that that is too funny
0: so why do you have to take the gun out and shoot yourself
1: (laughs) because dating apps are notoriously awful exactly and But occasionally people come up with really good ones. So I don't know. I mean.
0: Well, and let me tell you this, with the dating app, I gave myself 24 hours because I had a couple of experiences with it and, you know, was single for like seven years and they were horrible. And it was, I think, right before COVID or during COVID or something like that had happened. And I was just like, you know what? 24 hours, let me just see, was bored out of my mind. And I said, I'll give it 24 hours. And he was the first person that contacted me. And the only person that I talked to came off the app and the rest was history.
1: You know, that, that story is a little different from ones I hear. And I love to hear ones that are, stretch my understanding of this business. There's, I did hear stories of, from two different women, I think, where they worked in the same she who was telling me of worked in the same company as this guy who also worked in the same company and they, and they were in the same town, obviously, and they, or they were in the same town and they would run into each other in this town on a regular basis. It was like they were connected by some kind of string Mm -hmm. that would like pull them together. And they never really pursued anything romantic, but it was something that I noticed that we had these two people on this kind of string that didn't really have a thing together, but yet they kept running into each other. That's what you got here, but it really was meaningful that the first, and that, that makes it cool too, the first person on that app that you gave 24 hours to, and usually a lot of weird stuff happens right at, at the transition time. And this was the transition time. So it fits with what I know about the kind of context that coincidences take place. They increase when you're leaving or when you're entering, they, mm-hmm. when there's some kind of change in your life. And they can be stressful changes too, but they are transitional. They happen during transitions. It's like the tricksters in the transitional thing. It's like, that's when they happen. I, I, have, I have a picture of how that happens, but that, then you add that to Both of you in the concerts, but then you didn't tell me that part of the story.
0: Well, I didn't know if that was, you know, meaningful or not. But, well, I'll tell you another thing about the transition that you're talking about. Five months prior, my mom had died tragically. So I also, you know, had my mom that, you know, was in spirit. I don't know if she had a play or a hand in in any of that. I don't know if you have any thoughts about...
1: I do. um, I do. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah.
0: So... So, you know, so there was that I was going through a pretty traumatic time, you know, in my life and trying to find that meaning and feeling very lonely. And, you know, was like, all right, let's give this 24 hour try. And my husband had moved various places. So came from Poland to Connecticut, to Albany, New York, and then to where we are now in a different place in New York. And he even said, if you were to talk to him, I have no idea why I wanted, why I bought the house where I bought it. (laughs) but he said it just felt right.
1: (laughs) That's an important part of this human or inner inner GPS. You you get these inner strivings that say this seems to be right. And stuff happens when you are able to know that what this urging is seems right. You got to know that. Sometimes you make a mistake with that, but you got to know that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So pretty cool. Do you want to hear another one that has to do with Jimi Hendrix, another music one and my dad?
1: This one, I, I like romance ones really a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, because <laughs> they're the most popular ones. I have a Psychology Today blog and people love that. Does it mean it's meant to be when you have a coincidence? Just, I mean, it didn't mean that you and he were going to get married. Just, just all this stuff, makes it feel like it's important but i've talked with people who've had ones that are pretty far out and groovy coincidences and they rely on that to keep their marriage together Mm -hmm. but that doesn't work once you get it together you got to say i don't like you throwing your socks all over the room kinds of things or if you say you're going to be there when you At a certain time, once you show up then, are, there's various things that when you live together, you have to work out. And one of the hardest ones is to be able to love each other. What do we mean by that? And love is part of a, what the Coincidence Project is aiming for, is to recognize how much difficulty human beings have in being able to love and be loved in return. Both of those are hard to love somebody because some people can do that, but to receive love and to give love with somebody and to know that that person loves you and believe that person loves you and believe that, and have that person believe that you love him.
0: Mm-mm.
1: That's not so easy to do these days.
0: Mm-mm. Yeah. So I have a another thing. If we stick to this topic that you might also like, so my husband had also said, well, how will we find each other again in, in our next lifetime? You know, will we come together in our next lifetime? And he's like, what if we agree on now setting clues for each other? And I thought about that and I was like, well, that's interesting. But then I said, you know what, Paul? I said, maybe we already did that because another strange coincidence would be the picture of the sun. So whenever I would go and get a tarot card reading, I'd always get the sun card would show up. I went to Puerto Rico and ended up buying a homemade tapestry and didn't realize it. But I was drawn to this yellow thing and I asked them what it meant. And they're like, oh, this represents the sun. I would buy other types of tapestries that would have the moon and the stars on it. But the sun would always like appear as well. So I have another one. Well, it also turns out that one of Paul's favorite things is the sun, that he's always been drawn to the sun. He would have pieces of clothing that would have the sun on it as well. And, you know, I, I would always be like, oh, you know, why did I, why do I keep getting this card all the time? The sun tarot card always shows up. Like it's kind of annoying, you know, wouldn't really put any meaning to it until. You know, my husband, that's like one of the things that he carries most meaning to him is the sun and is very attracted to any things that are drawn like the sun. So, you know, again, there was another thing. And was that a clue? Have we already placed these clues in our consciousness? You know, as our consciousness, like you said, there was this knowing. Is this pre-planned? And did we place these small clues along the way since seventh grade to kind of know how to find each other? So when we met each other, it really was this knowing. It was like, oh, where have you been all my life? You know, hey, finally, finally get to see you again. It was just a very deep comfort of like, I know this person. I don't know how I know this person, but I know this person. So do you have any thoughts about, you know, consciousness and in between lives? Or, you know, do you feel like that there is something that happens as a consciousness that pre-plans a little bit of what may happen. And we eventually come together with this synchronicity.
1: You asked about whether your mother had planned it or helped you. Mm -hmm. I was in transition between my residency and who knows what. I didn't know what I was going to do with myself when I finished at Stanford. I was going to leave San Francisco. Didn't know where to go. I was going to write a book. And I was coming back from my father's tombstone unveiling, which took place 11 months after he died on a plane with, and assigned seats was somebody next to me. And she had a big watch and asked me what time it was. And it turned out that we now have three grandchildren. She and I have since separated, but my father wanted me to, to marry a Jewish girl. And this was, a, and that was, they're not easy to find in San Francisco. And, and she is, and, and we have three Jewish grandchildren who are just wonderful. My my son married somebody who was Jewish, and I was the first son of the first son of the first son of the first son of the first son, son. and that patrilinear thing is important. So I had a first son, and he's had a first son. And that was all very, very important part of my lineage to to have my son be Jewish and then have my his son be Jewish, which is what's happened. So I figured my father put that one together. I was a little, you had all, then, all this hippie stuff in San Francisco. <laughs> now you got to do something, which I was ready to do. So yes, I, I, I it was a marriage made in heaven by my father. We were on a plane. So mm-hmm. that's the closest you can do. But since, since then, I had an experience of meeting someone that it seems someone like what you just described with your husband. Uh, and it's been five years or six years, and we haven't we haven't been for various reasons, have not been able to to put our lives together, for, and there's some very good reasons, but I know she's, she's the one for me. I, I carry around this feeling for her, and I had it from the beginning. and it's just there's a lot of barriers in being able to get together. I finally came to see she feels the same way, and it's it's that feeling that tells you, and i was I was convinced still am that we knew each other before too, so and that we and i I, I try to try to say, I wish I, we could arrange, have arranged this better, but that's what we've got, and it's what we have, and it probably is good for each of us the way it is, but to feel. To feel that you find somebody as you have, as I have, who's been there for you, with you, a part of you, really, for not just now, for mm-hmm. whom you feel a love that is beyond description. And it, I start to cry when I feel it. It's just, it's a wonderful part of being a human being.
0: Yeah. And that's a nice way to think of it, that we were connected before we met, you know, because we, we say the same thing, like, gosh, I wish I had more years with you. And then we laugh and we say, well, if I met you when I was 20, you wouldn't have gotten the best version of me. So maybe it is perfect, you know, in the timing that that we met each other. You had mentioned your dad, too. And I thought it might be a nice story to share also about kind of the shared death experience that you had of what was going on with your dad and what you experienced in the kitchen. And, you know, you wrote quite a bit about that in one of the chapters. And I was hoping you could tell that story again. Sure.
1: Snapper was the origin of this inner GPS or the chapter that's on called human GPS. And what we were talking about here with you and your husband is like getting there somehow and being where you need to be without knowing how you got there is one of the most commonly described coincidences. The variations are like pretty amazing sometimes. Sometimes it's just showing up and at the wrong time someplace. And that's that's when it was a good time to show up because you're looking for a job and they needed you that day, not the other day. I mean, that Stuff happens like that in various ways. Sometimes it's more deep, but this is a type of coincidence that I would be putting together with you and your husband of OK, my father was a seed for a def- different kinds of coincidence. I was standing at, a, at the sink, as you, in Victoria and in San Francisco, and it was 11 p.m. San Francisco time, on uh, February 26, 1973. I was almost 31 years old and I was choking and choking and couldn't stop choking. Something was in my throat. I couldn't get it out, but I hadn't eaten anything. I hadn't drunk anything. I was just like, something was in there. And finally I stopped. And I don't know, you can put the number of minutes on there, what you want, because I don't know how long it lasted, but it seemed like a long time. So I went to bed and next morning, my brother called and said our father had died in Wilmington, Delaware, which was 3,000 miles away from... San Francisco, and he died at at two a.m. the next day in Wilmington, Delaware, which was eleven p.m. San Francisco time, at three thousand miles away. So, and he had died bleeding into his throat. He had bled into his throat, um, and choked on his own blood. And I said, "Really?" It's got my attention, as as you might imagine. And I. I wondered, do other people also feel the pain of a loved one at a distance like that? Part of my weird coincidence survey, this research I was talking about, I asked people, "Do they have, do they have, feel the pain of a loved one or the stress of a loved one at a distance?" And they said, "Sometimes." That was the answer from a thousand people. that sometimes. So, and there's other data that show that that happens, prim- mostly with parent and child. A lot of times between. Two people who are really close as friends, could be married, could be just other, other friends. So this this I called simulpathity. Simul being at the same time, path, path, pathos referring to pain or emotion. So emotion at the same time. So here's a question for you. I read, how well did you read the book kind of question is what was the original name for simulpathy?
0: Oh, I don't have that. That's a small detail, Bernie. Come on. Hold on. I have it bookmarked.
1: You don't have to look. I'll <laughs> tell you. But you, you, you're going to be surprised to know because you do know without having to look in the book. It's, a, it's telepathy.
0: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Telepathy is tele at a distance and pathy feeling. That's so right. telepathy was originally simulapathy and then migrated into like images and ideas. So telepathy originally was the what, what simpathy means now. Okay. So it's around. Yep. And that led me to another category of coincidence, simpathy.
0: Now, you also talk about patterns and numbers, and uh, that's actually how Path 11 came to be because my business partner, Mike, and I, when we were making documentaries on consciousness, we were experiencing the 11-11 phenomenon constantly. And I was born at 111. We lived 11 miles apart from each other. I mean, the number 11 just kind of kept showing up. So you mentioned that. And I also, you know, this is kind of a time to kind of talk about your football experience, but I noticed you were number 44. You know, so when I just think about double digits and, you know, numbers and patterns, patterns of numbers, so many people and so many clients of mine when I was doing therapy would talk about these signs that they were getting and what does it mean, April? I keep catching the clock at 2.22 or 9.11 or 4.44. And we were kind of talking before we hit record about, you know, therapists bringing synchronicity into, you know, some therapy. But I've had a lot of my clients because I think I set up a practice that allowed people to talk about the weird, strange things without making them feel psychotic and they were not psychotic or experiencing psychosis but that these patterns and numbers tend to come up, I think, very frequently in conversation. So I was hoping you would like to shed some light on that.
1: My first reaction to n- numbers has been, we are inundated by numbers. You look around and then there are numbers every place. It, it's how many channels on the TV set are there? There's millions of them. Radios, numbers, street numbers, check numbers. There's the pin numbers. There's all number. I can list a whole bunch of them. So when you have a bunch of numbers, you're going to run into numbers. So thinking just in the probability statistics way of thinking of things, there's numbers all around. So you're going to see some numbers. And if you're tuned to one number, you're going to more likely see that number again. If somehow you're sensitized to that number, you're going to see it again. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean there isn't something to them, but to me, there's a lot of mm, like noise in numbers. There's a lot of noise. And it's, they're a good example of how, if you want to find coincidences, you can find them. Like the 11,11 one. Colleague of mine in the Coincidence Project, his name of his name of his project is Eleven Eleven, and they they start at eleven after eleven when they can. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're really into it. Eleven Eleven in the twelve-hour clock is the only num- the only time that has four of the same numbers in it. So it's a rare thing on the clock. It's it's so that rarity is appealing. But this, so, so with all that said, I had number forty-four, but I also had number twenty-three when, 23,
0: I, I, saw when that, yeah. I when
1: I played in in college, and twenty-three became a very important number for me for many years. It it followed me around. I was hitchhiking from San Francisco to L.A. with a friend of mine, and it was on like August twenty-third, and we got five rides, two plus. Five rides, which is two plus three gets to be five. And we ended up stopping in LA at an apartment that was number 23. The last ride took us to that, her apartment. So you see these strings. The meaning you put on them is a lot of your own. But I looked up what the number 23 meant to at least... The tarot card deck writer that I use, have you heard of Alistair Crowley?
0: No, I don't think so.
1: He has a d- deck called the Book of Th- and it's very, uh, it's Kabbalistically based, and it it caught my attention. I got at that through a bunch of coincidences, heading to LA and not knowing where I was going to stay when I was in medical school, had a summer to go to LA, and I'm in a car, and in Arizona. I said, I don't know. I don't have a place to stay in LA. I didn't think about that. Call a friend of mine from college and say, hey, you know anybody in LA? And she said, yeah, Bob. So I go to Bob's place in 36 in Vermont near, near USC. And he says, there's a mystic that owns this house. He had an apartment in the back. I knock on the door and I said, I hear you're a mystic. She says, you're the second one. I walk in and it's like walking into a magical mystery tour. In 1965, I take this thing called LSD that I'd never heard of before. And I get introduced to astrology and tarot cards. And that got me into knowing what was going on in H Street in 1968 when I was in San Francisco. I knew the language. So those kinds of things are doorways and tarot cards were a big part of that. And when the tarot cards all have numbers on them and the numbers have particular meaning. One through ten particularly have particular meaning. So what did 23 mean? It meant change. It meant transition. And that's was a good description for me and what this book meant, What this what that number meant for me. And then it disappeared. But what does it mean to you to have those eleven elevens and you're born on a one eleven because we make up meanings here. And the question we have is how much is the meaning out there and how much is the meaning in here? And more importantly, they're both true. How much do we put into it ourselves, given what's out there also having some kind of meaning? So what does it mean to you?
0: Yeah, well, that's a good question. And I just have to say on a side note, I was married on the 23rd. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. 23rd. It's a transition, it's a yeah. transition day. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm also going to look up the number of the Sun tarot card now that you mentioned that. But honestly, the 1111 had no meaning to us at all. I didn't even know I was born at 111 until we started to pay attention to the 1111 and 111. Then we looked it up. And in like the spiritual world, it was kind of saying, oh, you're right on track. You're getting signs from the masters, from the universe. So we're thinking, all right, that's cool. You know, we're making three documentaries on the afterlife and consciousness and astral projection so we must be doing something right and one of the people that we interviewed she said well do you know your life path numbers and we both said no we had never heard of that before and she did mike's life path and he was an 11 and in order to get the life path number she said oh i need the time of birth so i asked my mom and she told me oh you were born at 1 11 p.m i'm like holy cow are you kidding me so, I mean, honestly, 11, 11 and one 11 didn't have any meaning to me whatsoever until we started to investigate and be, try, try to, you know, ask, okay, why do we keep seeing this? What does it mean? And then that led us to life path numbers. I was nine, he was an 11. And then we started looking for the 11. And that's what I said, oh, well, let me just Google and see how far away do we live from each other? It's got to be like 10, 11 miles. And it was 11 miles. So I guess in the beginning, it meant nothing. And then it became something. And then when we would see it, then it would have more meaning to us because we were in some ways told, well, this is what 111 means. This is what eleven eleven means. This is what it means, you know, in a spiritual sense, when you're catching these patterns that we just decided to roll with it. And then it had meaning, but it didn't have meaning beforehand.
1: When you decide to roll with it, what does that mean?
0: Roll with it as in like, okay, well, this is what people... Are giving people are giving us this information of what this what this repetitive number could mean or have meaning for us. So we agreed. We're like, okay, well, you know, rolling with it. And in other words, of like, all right, well, that sounds cool. I guess that's what this means. So, and we would continue to see it, and it would continue to be like more random. Like I had eleven one show up on my phone, a number one eleven like thirteen ones calls my cell phone frequently. I take screenshots of it. I've tried answering it. It goes nowhere. I've tried calling it back. So I've had that repetition, you know, happen. And when it happens, I'm like, that's cool. You know, so to me, the meaning has been when now when I catch it, I feel like I'm on the right track.
1: Yeah, that's, that is the most common use of coincidences, the feeling of being on the right track. It's the most common. Yeah. I am in the things that are going for me, so. When you get your that's that that's that's a very common one and a common use of them. Talk about types. There are types of coincidences like numbers, but then there's types of uses. And this is a this is a common type of use.
0: Yeah. So I I know we weren't going to get through everything today, and we're starting to come to a little bit of the end of the show, but I wanted you to talk more about the coincidence project because you had mentioned earlier in this program that you're looking to get funding. So, you know, hoping the right people and there will be a coincidence that happens of whoever listens to this podcast has some money and wants to fund your program, but you're, you're collecting stories. You can go on the website and actually take a little quiz and submit your stories. So I'd like you, I'd like to give some time to talk about that and hope that our podcast, when it airs, can hopefully help with the project that you're working on.
1: Well, thanks. To get to the, to the coincidence project, you, you just put the coincidence project in your web browser the website will be up soon so if you can if that's not up when you, right after well, when you get well it's not going to be we're not you're not going to be publishing this for a while you can also go to coincider.com a coincider is someone who experiences a lot of coincidences like you coincider.com c o i n c i d e r.com or bernard biteman you'll find me i'm all over the place in a lot of different places with my podcast, I have a podcast too called Connecting with Coincidence, as well as the Psychology Today blog, also called Connecting with Coincidence. And you'll find my, my book website by doing coincider.com or even Connecting with Coincidence. You can get to that. But once, once you get to either website, particularly you get to mine, you can email me from the website and express your interest in becoming part of the Coincidence Project. The c- purpose of the Coincidence Project are several, but it's to illuminate the, uh, the, the invisible threads that connect and unite us. Because that's what they do. They show us that we're more connected with each other, just like with you and your husband. It's like, there's something, a rubber band, like getting tighter, bringing the two of you together. And that's what uh, all that story tells, tells you. And you knew it somehow as a seventh grader. Just, just we're connected and we're more connected to some people than others. With those people, we can feel more sympathy, more telepathy, more resonance with each other. We try to be able to show how that works and that it can work and that it varies. It's a lot like dance. Sometimes you can really dance with somebody and then that's over, but it's kind of like sometimes they last for a while. So that's one of the things we try to show people. We mostly are... Now, one of the main things we try to do is to encourage people to take, uh, to do, to tell each other coincidence stories, as we are doing here on Path Eleven, telling each other coincidence stories, and the purpose of that is to like encourage each of you to remember stories you might not have remembered at the moment because coincidences are a lot like dreams; hmm. they're hard to remember. And so we encourage people to write them down and then you have them. But when you start telling people about them, they also, as a way of reminding you, there are a lot of isolated people out there. And I've spoken to one recently who looks like she might become a donor to the project who like tells people her stories, or coincidence stories, and they say, so what? And that makes her feel quite lonely. So we are providing uh, a space on Zoom for people to get together, to tell each other coincidence stories, and it's called the the Coincidence Cafe. Oh, I love uh, that. Uh, <laughs> at the Coincidence Cafe, you can get some serendipity among <laughs> other among other things. <laughs> and, and we're what we what we do is do a thing at the beginning, and then usually put people in breakout groups to tell each other coincidence stories. And some really funny coincidences happen when you do that, and then there's coincidences across groups when they start telling each other what happened in the individual groups, and it just gets to be this this thing that snowballs at least sometimes at least you find people to tell each other coincidence stories with, so that i could if you email me, I'll send you an invitation to the coincidence cafe and you show up and we have a bit of an intro and do some other things that varies. And then we get you to tell each other coincidence stories.
0: Wow, sounds awesome. Now, no, we didn't touch upon this, but I just have to ask this question too. So as you said, this is a great example. Coincidences build upon coincidences, build upon coincidences. Is there any outcome or side effect where people can have a break in reality or it gets to be too much or you begin to see this pattern or this interconnection and you really start to question the reality that we're living in? Yes, (laughs)
1: Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Spoken by somebody who knows. If you look at my book, Meaningful Coincidences, there's the cover again on my door. I review the various ways in which people can look like they're crazy. Unfortunately, mental health professionals hear a coincidence story or two, and they want to give you some antipsychotic. Unfortunately, it's not true. Or fortunately, that's not true for a lot of people. You can be manic or schizophrenic and see a lot of coincidences and they can drive you crazy, but sometimes you can see a lot of coincidences and be normal, but disturbed by the frequency with which you're seeing them. And I'd like to develop a thing, maybe your spiritual spiritual coaching counseling thing can start including, because we're looking for people who can help people who are overwhelmed by coincidences, but aren't crazy but want to be able to make some sense out of them. I had one good example of it also described in the book of a woman who was overwhelmed by them and drove from Ohio to Charlottesville, Virginia. And we talked for three days and she went, she went out and she was okay because we put some meaning on them and they were they were very meaningful to her and told her what she needed to do about her husband and about her house and other things that she needed to take care of, like get a divorce. So that there's meaning to be found even when you feel like you're being crazy. So it takes a discerning individual, and I think you might be one, to, to tell when you're really crazy. And the crazy ones, the one, what they look like is that they are seeing meaning, but they can't quite connect the dots. They, and then they see another one, and then they see another one, and then they see another one, and they, and they get overwhelmed by them. But the last thing that you said is so very important, that they begin to see that this reality isn't the way it's cracked up to be. I published a post that said uh, Charlottesville psychiatrists challenge regular reality. Um, And it keeps getting numbers on it. People are looking at that thing because we are challenging them with near-death experiences, reincarnation, and uh, synchronicity research because there's more to this thing than what we're being told. I know that. You know that. (laughs) So sometimes people get so far into the web of this mystery of what's around us, they can't absorb it. It's too much information at once. And what I'm able to do is increasingly sneak into this web and try to stay stable and keep my feet on the ground and also keep my head expanded more and more into this stuff and then be able to to report about it. It's fun having this book and fun doing podcasts, but it's taking me away from describing what I want to do, which this is psychosphere. We're not going to have time to talk about that, but the psychosphere is really my next place, our mental atmosphere, where a lot of this stuff might be able to be explained.
0: Yeah, well, I might have to have you back on again so we can talk about that and, you know, go a little further because that was actually one of the chapters that I also highlighted and I have written down. But this was so much fun, Bernie. Thank you so much. Such a great conversation. Love the topic. Love the work that you're doing on it. And I'm going to send my dad over to your site so he can submit his story. And, you know, I'd love to continue to follow you and see what you're doing. And please know you always have a place here on the Path 11 podcast to let anybody and everybody know who listens to us worldwide What you're doing, and hopefully, we can help spread your message and your project.
1: Well, thank you because I very much appreciate your helping us do that. And if you ever have an idea of dropping into the Coincidence Cafe,
0: okay, I'll have some tea, right? Some serendipity (laughs) with you. All right. Well, thank you so much, Bernie. We will have all of Bernie's websites in the show notes again, the book Meaningful Coincidences how and why synchronicity and serendipity happen. There's the book there. It's wonderful. Highly encourage you guys to go out and read it and submit your stories. Let's get some more data here, right? So uh, the researcher can, can put this all together for us. So thank you all so much for listening. I hope you were inspired by this conversation and I will bring you guys another phenomenal guest next week. Take care, everyone. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the Path 11 podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, this podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Path 11 TV. Visit path11tv.com to start a seven-day free trial of exclusive video content on consciousness, healing, and life after death. That's path11tv.com and be sure to use coupon code PODCAST30 to take 30% off your annual membership. Start satisfying your spiritual curiosity with a membership to pap 11 tv today. Bye for now.